Leonard here, and I know we all have a couple daily lists. You know what they are. The have-to-do list and the choose-to-do list. To make my daily choose-to-do list, you have to be special. And Papa's Roast Coffee is truly that special. That's why Papa's Roast Coffee is a regular choice of mine and so many others. Papa's Roast owners, Dean and Debbie Chris, take special care to provide a perfect roast on every bean. Sourced from a single origin, the coffee beans are roasted to perfection in small batches, and then, if that were not enough, the beans are packaged and shipped in an eco-friendly bag. Papa's Roast Coffee, from start to finish, has earned a place on my everyday choose-to-do list, and I think they will on yours too. Get your Papa's Roast Coffee at papasroast.com today. Now, to our conversation. Hey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I am super, super excited about uh, our guest today. Uh, Regina Gurton, did I say your last name correct? Sure did. Uh-huh. And Jamie Tyner, uh, they run what is called the Volunteer Network of Middle Tennessee. Is that is that inaccurate? And uh, it is an amazing, amazing nonprofit that literally builds bridges where um, people don't even know they need a bridge or don't know how to access that bridge. And it's bridges of compassion, of serving others, of connecting people who have resources, of physical strength or time, or even other resources to people whose resources have been tragically or suddenly been removed, whether it's a tornado, a flood, or people who just have had a long-term struggle, uh, whether that is people who are dispossessed of homes. uh, And so they build networks of volunteers. And so ladies, I just wanna say, I'm happy to have you here today and I'm incredibly grateful. Jamie and I met through church and uh, Regina, this is our first time of, of actually seeing each other face to face. And so I want to turn this over to both of you to just introduce yourselves. Tell us what you want us to know about you. Yeah, well, I'll start. I am Jamie Tyner. Um, I, uh, yes, Leonard and I met at Cross Point Church when I was the, we call it local good coordinator. It's got so many names in different places, but local, local missions, local outreach. Um, and I live in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. So we are, um, our organization is focused on the Wilson County community, but I have two little precious children. Um, I have a seven-year-old son who is, um, he's in first grade and then a three-year-old, almost four-year-old daughter, um, who is, uh, uh, quite the um, little fireball. <laughs> <laughs> she is a sweetie. I've seen oh. her better. So, <laughs> well, glad to hear that. <laughs> yes. um, and I'm Regina Gurton. Um, I am a, a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Um, I met Jamie um, in um, March of 2020 after Wilson County experienced a, a tornado in our community. Um, I was the director of outreach at Providence Church in Mount Juliet. Um, but I live in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is within the same county, Wilson County, um, but just the neighboring community over. Um, and I have worked um, in youth and children's ministry and volunteer management with nonprofits for about the last 15 years. 
Um, I have um, also two children. Um, my my uh, oldest daughter, Evie May, is is seven, and then I have a um, a younger daughter, Eliza Hope, who uh, just turned two. Um, and as is typical, as Jamie mentioned, from secondborns, um, they uh, they keep our lives interesting. <laughs> oh, well, I love that. I am a, I'm a youngest, so I was the guy <laughs> who just got away with everything. so and and i'm so glad you both are here um regina i saw on the website that you've done some work in sierra leone as well and uh, have you been there Yes, yeah. Um, I uh, used to um, travel to Sierra Leone, West Africa through um, an orphanage called the Raining Season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Freetown, um, the capital city. And um, I ran a, a small nonprofit at the time that was called Fireflies that um, um, our mission statement was lighting the fire in hearts again through um, creative arts and sports. And so we would partner with other um, already existing orphanages to to go in and provide the joy of living component, essentially. So we would do creative arts programs and host vacation Bible schools and um, provide like soccer balls and baby dolls and um, any other needed donation items. Well, I know this is not on topic, but is that ferry ride across crazy or what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Sierra Leone many times. Uh-huh. And that helicopter ride too. Both oh yeah. That yeah. that first time I took the ferry, he said, We'll take it at night. It'll be great. And uh-huh. it's a ferry that holds about fifteen hundred people and they had over three thousand, holds about sixty cars. They had several hundred. And all I thought to myself was I didn't come to Freetown to die in the middle of this. Uh, and then they, he said, I, I've, I want to take care of you, Pastor. So I bought first class tickets. And uh, first class tickets meant I was just out of the exhaust. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was, it's incredible there. The people there are amazing. And uh, oh, it was, it was such an honor and a gift when I was traveling there. I almost, um, that was in my, my former life before I was married. Um, and I, I almost moved there yeah. um, and ended up not only because I felt like I was more being called to be able to share the stories of the people that were there. Um, but it, it, it may be, um, some of the most holy ground I've walked on being there. It's, It's surreal being on the continent of Africa because the origin of humanity, it comes from East Africa. They believe the garden of Eden was there. And just when you put your feet there, there's something, uh, special about putting your feet on the soil. And I've been to Africa about 40 times now and uh, through the work that we do. And it's just incredible. So anyhow, thanks for doing all that. What I want to do this morning is, um, is today, I want to be able to just let you guys uh, tell us about uh, the volunteer network. Um, And so we'll put it in. If you were telling a story um, uh, and maybe just put it into a, uh, where the idea came from, uh, and then tell us how it, it became real and became practical. Uh, and I may throw a question or two in there. Um, and and if you uh, remember, just as an encouragement, this is this is also your story uh, because both of you have have hearts of compassion given to you by God. Um, not everybody has that heart. And uh, you have um, uh, a significant way of seeing life that a lot of people don't. And so a lot of people volunteer 
and help out because you have shown them how to look at things differently. And so uh, if you could just tell us your story, um, how, where did the seeds of compassion come from? And then how did that turn into volunteer network? Race yeah. it, go. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, you want me to start or? Um, yeah, you can start. It doesn't matter. Um, so in, um, yeah, in March of 2020, um, both Jamie and I, as we mentioned, were serving um, over outreach or missions. Um, uh, Jamie most directly with like local um, doing good within the community. And um, our community experienced a, a, a devastating event. Um, our community had a, a tornado that came through um, and caused uh, an enormous amount of damage within several um, neighborhoods within the community. And so for me, at least, my story was that um, our, our uh, church had actually just been in Nicaragua on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came back and was back for about mm, 24 hours before getting on a plane to fly to Florida for a church conference and woke up um, the next morning and found out the news about the tornado, got back on a plane <laughs> and um, flew directly back to um, to Nashville. Um, Wilson County is nestled just outside of um, the Nashville area and um, very quickly realized that um, we were going to be, you know, needing to be able to mobilize to assist. And so um, our church had gone ahead and had created a a sign up for anybody interested in volunteering once we knew what the needs were going to be. Mm. Um, I'm from New Orleans is where I was raised for most of my life. And so our family stepped through Hurricane Katrina and I- Shouldn't you be saying Nolens? (laughs) (laughs) Nolens. Depends on how- how how far back your southern roots go um, <laughs> but um our family had um, lost our home in hurricane katrina and so i knew from a survivor's perspective um what that recovery um might look like and so um jamie and i uh we met in city hall um the um next day as we were um doing a, a community-wide cleanup effort um and Jamie and I took part in planning that volunteer effort. Um, At the time, Wilson County did not have any sort of volunteer management hub or structure. Mm -hmm. And so they were mobilizing primarily through the local church and saying, you know, folks who are um, serving, let us know how many people you have. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll send you into um, the neighborhoods. But Mount Juliet Police Department was getting calls from all across the country of people wanting to be able to come in and help. Um, disaster service agencies who were calling to be able to help. And there really was no place to send them. And so they created a portal. Um, and at the time when Jamie and I stepped in to begin helping with cre- like basically planning that volunteer management um that volunteer day, there were about 4,000 people who had signed up within it within less than 48 hours. And so um, we mobilized, we had our volunteer weekend. And then um, from there, uh, through some conversations with city officials said, we're going to need a long-term recovery group. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in the wake of not only a tornado, but then thus, as we all too well remember, a global pandemic. (laughs) Um, 
uh, created a long-term recovery group for the county, um, which is a mobilization effort of community leaders from across all spectrums, um, businesses, churches, nonprofits, um, individuals who come together to essentially step through long-term recovery with folks in the community who maybe won't be able to recover on their own hmm. um, for varying reasons. And so um, to make a... Um, Long story short, um, after the tornado in 2020, our community also experienced a flood in 2021 and then another tornado in 2021 as well. And so our long-term recovery group continued to serve the community um, and residents and survivors who weren't able to recover on their own throughout that period. Um, sometime in fall of 2021, <laughs> um, uh, things started to at least begin to calm a little bit. And Jamie and I started having some conversations just about our normal jobs <laughs> as um, missions directors at our church. And through those conversations, she and I started a, a missions roundtable of seeking to reach out to other people um, in um, our church network who had our same job, um, just to begin to collaborate and and try to seek to um, figure out who's doing what. Um, and from there, one of the things that was birthed was that, um, a volunteer management hub was, was needed. Hmm. I love that. I, I, I just made, if you see me writing something down, it just means I'm listening. Um, so out of personal tragedy, uh, came, uh, uh, the development of this heart that said more needs to be done out of great loss. Uh, more needs to be done long-term, and uh, and your wiring and your gifting and your insight said, there's a lot of people out there who want to help, but there's no platform for them for them to be able to access the places of help. Um, hence the network. Is that correct? Yeah, I, think, I just love uh, that. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, and I just remember one conversation. Um, well, after so. I came on staff as the as the local good coordinator um, December 2019. So right before everything happened. Um, mm -hmm. So I had, I'll purely honest, had absolutely no idea what I was doing in my job. Um, I had taught for 16 years, um, had always done like, I had always volunteered like personally. Um, actually, my husband and I um, had started a nonprofit years ago when we were first married. Um, and I was the, I don't remember what we called it, but the community something, I did something with the community outreach. So it's funny to see, look back and see like how God was preparing me through all these steps. I thought teaching would be my vocation forever, but, um, so I really had no idea what I was doing in this particular job. Um, learned a lot after the tornado, but I remember the first conversation Regina and I had kind of one things settled and, um, just we met in the lobby at cross point i remember sitting there and just saying like okay what am what do i do like what what is my job um and just kind of started like asking her questions because she had been partnering with so many of the organizations already in our community and um in that conversation we discovered i was saying yeah she was saying that they partnered with one of our local elementary schools and i was like oh well we partner with them too and i was like that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that two fairly large churches in this community are partnering with the same elementary school. There's got to be others that don't have a church, you know, supporting them. And so after some conversations with my boss, because <laughs> I did run it by him first, um, we decided to 
switch to a, or move our partnership kind of to a different school in the area and start really caring for them because they didn't have the support like that. Um, and so that's kind of, for me, that birth, like, okay, well, there's got to be other churches in the same predicament. Like there's got to be more of us that are doubling efforts or not meeting a need that is possibly out there that we just don't know about. Um, and so again, like Regina said, that's when the the missions roundtable kind of birthed. Um, and in that saw that, okay, there's not a hub for volunteers. Um, and for me, my heart, um, I use my neighborhood as the example all the time <laughs> um, because I have an amazing, amazing neighborhood. Um, and so if I, in my job, if I couldn't find enough volunteers for a project um, within the church, um, I would post it on my neighborhood page and I would have people jumping at the chance to volunteer. And I mean, I have no idea if they were connected to a local church, if they weren't, if they anything about that. It was a lot of people that I just didn't even know. And I started getting messages from neighbors that, again, I had never met in person before just saying, Hey, my family would love to volunteer somewhere. Do you know of a place that we could plug in? Or, you know, I want, I would love to serve somewhere. I feel um, passionate about the unhoused or whatever. And like, do you know somewhere I could serve? And so um, it just continued to reinforce that idea that, mm the majority, I think, well, I think everybody has it in their heart that they want to do good, that they want to serve other people, whether they know who placed that desire in them or not. Um, they want to do good and serve people. And so having a place for them to be able to find out how to do that just became abundantly clear. <laughs> Jamie, what I've learned about you in the last uh, year and a half is that uh, you have a heart uh, for people who don't have access, um, whether that's children in the foster adoption agencies, uh, whether, and you've lived that out personally, uh, you have a heart, you and Will have a heart for people who, um, who have needs that don't have access. And I've watched you step in uh, personally to provide access for people. And I just think that's such an amazing, um, an amazing expression of justice. Uh, and how justice, you know, we, we say compassion is uh, helping hurting people and justice is stopping what hurts them. And uh, those are, you know, simplistic definitions, but um, I just can't see uh, listening to Regina, your story and listening to um, Jamie and knowing her a little bit more. Um, yeah, I just marvel at how, how out of your own story, out of your already existing um, ways of living, uh, something has been birthed uh, that is, it's very unique. Uh, you you have created a, a, a hub so that people who want to help can help. Um, because how many times has somebody sat in a room and said, something should be done about that, man, I really wish I could help. And they're going, but I don't even know where to look. I don't no, even know. Certainly. I mean, one of the things that, you know, when we started reaching out to different churches to say like, whoever is over outreach, like let's gather together and, you know, begin to have a conversation. Ironically enough, we ended up having a lot of our local nonprofits who came to, who were coming to the table. Um, and initially it was just, let's just share what we're doing. Um, and it turned into some really great 
um, dream brainstorming sessions, um, assessing uh, what we already had going on in our community and what gaps we had. Um, to, to use a like super heady term, it's asset-based community development. It's assessing what your strengths are um, and how to be able to capitalize on those strengths in order to be able to create change within the community. Yeah. And one of the things that we were hearing from our nonprofits is just that, you know, Nashville is growing at an exorbitant rate. And as a result of that, the ripple effect is that the communities surrounding it are also growing at an exorbitant rate, right? And so Wilson County right now is literally bursting with growth. Yeah. And as a result, a lot of our nonprofits who are meeting the needs of residents within our community who are vulnerable or who um, um, lack in resources, um, are coming up short on being able to provide them with the mm -hmm. assistance that they need. Um, and so the brainstorming work really came from our nonprofit saying, we've, we have people coming in who've been here for forever, who've never necessitated assistance, who need help, and we don't have the means to help them. And so I kind of took a step back with Jamie at that point and um, was able to remember some um, some work that I did um, with a, a cohort out at pa in Pasadena, actually, at Fuller Seminary um, with a, a pastor named Kara Powell. Um, we were actually doing brainstorming um, innovation work on student ministry at the time, but it was transferable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that was honestly where um, we did some brainstorming to say, you know, what does our community lack? Um, let's be able to go ahead and name what that is. And let's be able to kind of uh, pick out some of the things that we might be able to go ahead and address. And certainly volunteer management was one of many needs that came up, but at least for me at that point, point in time when I, when I saw that as the need, Jamie and I had already lived that as the need, my spirit just kind of said, well, my background lends itself to being able to do something about that. I might not be able to, you know, end homelessness and <laughs> um, uh, and affordable housing crises in, within our community, though certainly I can support that work um, and advocate for it. Um, but I have back experience in volunteer management, mm. um, which was why then um, Jamie and I stepped into uh creating volunteer network. And thankfully she obliged me in um, doing the same thing that I did, which was segueing out of my uh, job as a, a pastor of outreach and um, taking a, a bold leap of faith into this new nonprofit world. Oh man. I, I love your courage. I appreciate that greatly. Um, uh, a couple questions that just come to mind as you guys are talking about that. Um, before I ask you a question, uh, just in people talk a lot about unity and uh, you know, we don't really have good definitions for what it looks like out in the faith world and also not in the non-faith world. Um, and one of the things that uh, after 40 some years of working in the nonprofit world, uh, I think there's two primary things that, that facilitate uh, unity. Uh, one is short-term and the other is long-term. Short-term unity is almost always born out of out of tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whenever there's a tragic situation, people rally. We've seen that historically in our own country. We've seen that around the world. Um, and we've seen that in Wilson County. We live in Wilson County as well. 
um, that people rise to the occasion, but long-term unity is born out of mission. It's when we can share the same mission because, you know, as, as, as uh, my friend uh, who was in the military said there, uh, there's no disunity in a foxhole. Um, when you are under fire and you're, you're facing the heat of, of battle, uh, it doesn't matter if you have different ideas or thoughts, you have unity because you share the same mission. Um, and so it feels like to me that, uh, um, those two things, I'm hearing those things sprinkled throughout your your conversation. And so my my question for you would be, uh, as you think of, uh, of of assessing the needs, looking and saying, here's tragedy, how do we rise to that occasion? And then how do you create mission uh, with your work so that people can say, uh, we are filling that gap? I think you uh, I think Regina, you've used the word, gap a couple different times in our conversation. Um, And so how do you facilitate unity around uh, tragedy and then around mission? And I'm going to throw that question out to both of you. If the question's clear, I hope. If not, I can rephrase it. Well, I can speak at least to the practical standpoint of that. And then we can talk about the... um, So from a practical standpoint, at least, our organization, Volunteer Network, we're partnering with an organization called Hands On Nashville that's been um, doing volunteer management within um, the Nashville community for over 30 years. Um, They're a direct affiliate of an organization called Points of Light. That's a community capacity building um, organization. And so we are building out a platform um, online, like an online system that um, businesses, churches, and nonprofits profits can partner with us for free to be able to post their volunteer opportunities and needs. And then we are casting out a, a, a net um, within our community for folks to then be able to create a free account. Um, they can post, should they wish, to what their individual skill sets are. And then they can sign up to be able to volunteer for those different opportunities. Um, That is for ongoing volunteer opportunities within the community. And then through partnership with our county government and our Wilson Emergency Management Agency are going to be the formalized volunteer management hub in times of disaster. So folks would, we would be working directly with the um, first responders to be Mm -hmm. able to name what the needs are and then we would be posting what those needs are for folks to be able to sign up for okay so for so to speak to your your question though as a, like where unity is concerned is that you know as you already named in a time of disaster people typically rally and come together pretty quickly and certainly within Wilson County at least we're a rather um I think I used this term earlier but we're a unicorn of a community mm-hmm. in the sense that people are more willing to come together across all sectors of the community, faith-based and non-faith-based, to be able to meet the needs of of people. Um, However, in an ongoing sense, only um, 20% of our community is actually connected to a local church, while I would probably be willing to place a statistic on 95% of our nonprofits are Mm faith-based. And so those nonprofits are pulling from a 20% funnel of volunteers and not able to all, I mean, I would say, Jamie, probably 
all of our nonprofits at some point in our time working with them expressed um, the need for more people. And so to me, ongoing opportunities outside of those um, in disaster world, they call it blue skies in the times of life where you're not in active disaster. Um, I think, um, I think it's probably human nature out of sight, out of mind. It's not the heat of the moment. Um, folks aren't as apt to jump in themselves, but if you provide a space for folks to be able to see what those needs are, they do want to meet it. Um, so. No, I love that. I, I think um, uh, that's a, that's a great answer, by the way. One of the questions that comes out of that is, you know, you're looking and saying, okay, we're, we're immediately, uh, we have access to volunteers and we're putting them in their places. Do you have a criteria uh, by which you say, this is, this is, this is something we're going to make a request for. This is something that we're not. So like my community just did an Easter egg hunt and on our, <laughs> and on our uh, Facebook page, I said, we really need volunteers for uh, that's not going to come to the volunteer network. Um, boy, we need 25 adults to come and hide Easter eggs for kids. Uh, what are the what are the uh, basic set of criteria that you would say this meets this meets the standard of which we put uh, information out, of which we have conversations about, and such? So I think that's one thing we're learning as we're building this is like um, so we we do have a partnership application that if mm -hmm. a business a nonprofit an organization um, wants to partner with us, we have an application. It is free for them to use our platform, but we do have a set of guidelines that we ask for people to follow, of course. Um, and so at that point, that nonprofit business organization, church, whoever um, would then be able to post their own opportunities on our platform. Mm -hmm. We will get a notification that a opportunity has been posted. We are then able to look over it and approve it. Um, I don't think, however, that, so one thing that we've learned from Hands On Nashville, because they have hundreds of organizations that are on their platform. And so they are not able to, you know, personally vet every single organization um, as to the experience the volunteer is going to have or, you know, anything. And so I think a disclaimer for us is, yes, we are part, people are partnering with us. They are signing our partnership agreement to agree to abide by the guidelines we have set. But outside of that, they can kind of post, you know, we'll be checking for, you know, the formatting, make sure it looks right on the website, but right. um, they are going to then be able to post whatever opportunities they are, they need. Um, you know, does that answer the question? I think that was, um, it does. It does. Um, I, I think where I'm headed with this question or this thought process, there's some great books out there, toxic charity when helping hurts. And there's some, uh, there's some other books out there about, um, you know, when giving gets in the way of, of actually progress, um, yeah. you know, I was in Ethiopia and, um, the faith-based world sent, 
And the non-faith-based world sent more resources to Ethiopia. And what they didn't realize is that they destroyed the textile industry in Ethiopia. Uh, And so instead of people making shoes and making clothes, uh, they would go to a big warehouse and pick up a a free pair of shoes that are nice and, you know, Nikes are trendy, uh, a pair of Nikes and a nice, you know, shirt and pants. And now you've got people who are out of work. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was all volunteer base in the sense of, uh, people were being asked to volunteer their generosity. And so uh, with you guys, um, what I'm looking, I think what is important to understand is that uh, you guys have a set of of guidelines by which you choose who you're networking with in the sense of, uh, and then you're, the people you network with are choosing their projects. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. So I'll say I'll say a couple of things to that um, that I, I I think are of value. So um, from the disaster standpoint, um, part of what we are doing is that, like I said, we'll be the formalized volunteer management um, funnel in times of disaster. We're also working on creating what's an, called a, um, an extension of your community's emergency management plan. Mm-hmm. So we're working with our emergency management agency to build out um, a network that is called volunteer organizations assisting active, excuse me, active in disaster. Mm. Uh, And essentially what that is, is a network of um, it's like a more robust version of our long-term recovery group, but it's a proactive um, plan as opposed to a reactive. So, hopefully, theoretically, should our community experience a disaster like what happened in March of 2020, we would already have a list of space of, of people and entities who said, in time of disaster, I can, I'll be the materials management coordinator mm-hmm. um, for like goods, donation yeah. goods. We will be the point for case management. We'll be the point for construction management. We've got a parking lot that you can use. Um, so so that, to your point, um, hopefully we are able to cut down on um, duplicate services and duplicate amounts of items that aren't needed. We're not going to ever be able to fully stop that. <laughs> Because if someone wants to donate their tennis shoes, I have learned they are going to donate those tennis shoes, whether they're needed or not. Um, But for ongoing needs, um, we do have the functionality to be able to, at least from a donation goods standpoint, that partner organization can post what those needs actually are. Um, And what I'll say too is, a win and hands on Nashville said this to us in one of our first meetings and I'll continue to say it over and over a win for us is that we're actually not needed. So a win for us is that John Smith connects with a volunteer group, like connects with a nonprofit and a need from the community. And he realizes that his gifts and and graces are all in on that. And he no longer necessitates us to sign up for those opportunities. So Though certainly an organization can utilize us as their primary volunteer management hub, we're not seeking to replace an organization's volunteer management um, into structure. We're seeking to make it more robust Mm -hmm. um, and provide means by way, as you said, 
people are able to connect with the real live needs. We're leaving that up to the nonprofits themselves to assess what those needs are because they know best what their what their needs are. Um, and then I would say that our part as volunteer network, and we've we've already been in a little bit of this work too, is bringing together groups of people to facilitate conversations around being able to address some of the more systemic needs within the community. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is so good. Um, a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, words always come to my mind is um, individually, I don't have capacity to do a lot of things um, except what's in front of me. Uh, but when we network, we increase capacity uh, of, of organizations and people um, by helping them find a lane that they thrive in, uh, that they can say, I am, I never knew I liked handing out water until I found out that I could, I can't afford to buy water, but I certainly have time to give it away. Um, and those are, those are things that I see as what you guys are going to be building is you're going to actually increase the capacity of organizations uh, to, to respond to crises uh, and needs uh, quickly um, so that there's a, instead of saying, wow, this, this house set broken for weeks and weeks and weeks, there's actually somebody on the ground serving right away. Um, and when other needs arise, because in any, in any uh, crisis management or any uh, ongoing crisis management, whether it's uh, people who struggle with housing or, or such um, that can change overnight with weather. Uh, you know, somebody can say, well, we, we now need 50 beds instead of 20. Um, and so being able to, you increase the capacity of people, uh, you increase the vision of people. Um, I just didn't know that was a need in my community. And now I do. And so I love everything that you guys are saying. Um, uh, my, my second question uh, following that is <clears throat> you become the hub Um and you facilitate these these connections and the vision uh, of um, of what can be done and what needs to be done. That's a two sided sword because uh, I think you're gonna you have you have creative ways to find to meet needs that the person sitting in his living room right now hearing this going I want to meet needs. My heart cares for broken people or hurting people. I just don't know how. Um, so how, how in your uh, process, since you're fairly new at this in terms of uh, this organization, not new at it in terms of doing it, um, uh, Jamie, you were a teacher, you said uh, for, I think, 16 years or so, you know, right. so you did that every day in many ways, yeah. um, you know, and I, I, my hat's off to teachers. Teachers saved my life when I was a kid. Uh, I would have been uh, a ne'er-do-well. Uh, maybe I still am sometimes, um, uh, were not for teachers who, who realized that they weren't teaching English. They were teaching Leonard, uh, who wasn't good at English. Uh, but he, he was a, a person who just needed uh, a, a hug and, uh, and, a, and a hand. Um, I went to a small little private school when, when I was a kid and I got spanked five or six times a day. That's back in the sixties when they could do that. <laughs> and uh, and Shirley Boswell, every time she spanked me, uh, she would uh, paddled me. I want to say that differently. Every time she paddled me, um, 
she would then hug me, this tear, this tear stained face of mine. And she would hold me and she said, Leonard Lee, you are special and God has a plan for your life. And I just believed her. And that, that actually changed the trajectory of my life. And so thank you for teaching and for doing what you've done. But it is really a micro of the macro, what teaching is and education is today. Because uh, you see needs in families all the time. Um, and so my question for you is, um, this is for nonprofits. This is for a lot. Who's this? How... How can the person go to you guys and say, I just need to know you're educating me. You're aware, making me aware. How does somebody access what you know and what you are facilitating? I hope that question makes sense. <laughs> Jamie, you want me to jump in or? Sure. Um, I'm sorry. Ask the question one more time. I got all the other stuff. Uh, how does somebody access? Oh, what you know and what those opportunities might be or who is specializing in what? How does somebody get to that? Yeah, so our um, our website is going to be like the hub for that. We have a, um, I think Regina mentioned, we're using a platform called Hands-On Connect. And so in that, um, once somebody creates their profile, mm -hmm. they will actually be able to, we have um, put together quite an extensive list of different areas of interest that somebody might um, in all the way from like animals to um, you know, serving the unhoused. Like it's got, what'd you say? It's a disaster preparedness. Yeah. Yes. We've got uh, the, the whole gamut we've tried in another box. If you just can't find what you, <laughs> what you're passionate about, but when somebody creates a profile, they'll be able to go through and check off. Like, what is it that I care about? Um, they'll obviously be able to see all the needs that are posted, but you can also filter by the needs um, that match your area of interest mm -hmm. uh, Can filter by needs that match your availability. Um, mm -hmm. So you can see like, okay, I am only available on these days at this time. And so you'll be able to see those that meet your, um, your availability. And um, so my, I mean, I think our hope is that when somebody goes to the platform, they will be able to find something that strikes a chord in them. Because as Regina said, like we, our heart in this is that somebody would be, find a place to serve that they are so connected to the mission of that organization that they don't necessarily need us anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, we obviously want them to continue to come back to the volunteer network, but um, that they would find a place that they feel so deeply connected to um, that meets that part of, you know, whatever is inside of them in their hearts that um, they just, they plug into that organization. And then like-mindedly a huge piece of this is that it's mine and Jamie's job to be networking out to as many businesses, nonprofits, church communities, to let them know about the ability to utilize this platform and structure. And then as well from the opposite end, networking out to the community to let them know, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and this is where we would like you to come and go to be able to see, assess what the needs are of our community and sign up to meet those needs. Um, we're about to launch our beta test of um, all of this um, in the next couple of weeks. And we've got 
12 different nonprofits within the community of varying kinds who have said, we're going to test out this system. They're going to be posting two different volunteer opportunities on it. And then, um, so for those who like, who, you know, math, <laughs> there'll be about 24 to begin with. And then we've got a, a chunk of community members who've said, we're willing to test this out as well, from creating our profile to filling in what our um, areas of interest are to then signing up for said volunteer opportunity. And we'll be capturing what was helpful, what was not helpful, assessing what we can tweak, um, and maybe what just is, a, you know, learning a different online platform struggles. Um, and then we'll be launching at the beginning of May to the broader community to be able to, um, uh, to utilize it. I love, yeah. I love grand openings. Um, <laughs> when you guys are working through this process, um, it is not your responsibility to um, background check your volunteers. Uh, um, and so, uh, but yet if you've served in any kind of nonprofit that deals with people, you know there is a great need for background checking your volunteers. Um, are you connected with anybody who provides that resource yet? Is that part of your strategy? So um, a functionality of the system is that, a, so say, say I am a nonprofit who is in, like, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use a, a nonprofit in our community as an example. There is an organization in our community called Rest Stop Ministries, and they work with people who are um, exiting out of situations of human trafficking. Mm. Um, they have to be very careful with one, disclosing their location, and right. two, with the volunteers that they have serving them and how they have them serving. So for Rest Stop Ministries, if they were to post a volunteer opportunity, there's a functionality in it where they would create a volunteer opportunity where people can express interest okay. as opposed to signing up for it. Gotcha. And so when they express interest, Rest Stop Ministries then gets an alert to be able to then connect with that individual to go through whatever background check functionality is that they themselves have. So yes, of course, like we have a release of like liability and all mm -hmm. those, it's a part of like our, um, our MOUs that we'll have with nonprofits. Um, we can't, we can't vet that the volunteer is going to be awesome just as we can't fully vet that you're going to have an amazing volunteer experience. <laughs> um, However, what we can do is ensure that we've got a system in place where that nonprofit has the power to be able to um, go ahead and say, actually, I'm going to make you no longer express interest. You are a confirmed volunteer. And then now you have access to be able to actually serve with us. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that is still in the hands of, of the nonprofit. Excellent. And then would that mean that training is also in the hands of the nonprofit or do you offer, do you facilitate any kind of basic training? Um, so mostly yes, individualized within it. So for example, you know, um, Compassionate Hands, which is the unhoused nonprofit in Wilson County, they have a very specific volunteer training that they do for their winter shelter season. However, once we get up and running, um, part of what we will be doing is doing things like disaster preparedness, um, volunteer opportunities, um, and we'll also then be doing it for ongoing volunteer opportunities too. Hmm, I love that. I, I think um, uh, training is essential to any volunteering opportunities. Um, you know, I, uh, 
to quote somebody who said, in times of crisis, we do not rise to the occasion. We sink to the level of our training. And, uh, you know, there's a reality to that, especially uh, when you're you're stepping in as a consistent part of, uh, of volunteering. Um, so in, here's here's a question in, in broad base. Uh, getting to know you, Regina, Jamie, knowing you some, uh, I can see why you're doing this personally. I can see what it means to you. Um, what would you want to say to the people listening right now uh, that says, this is why this really matters? Because uh, I think sometimes people need to know the why. I mean, Simon uh, Sinek says, start with why. Uh, and Discover Your Why is his other book. And there's other things. Um, why does this matter so much? Uh, this is your chance to make a plea to nonprofits, to churches, to uh, our listeners broad in the sense of we have nonprofits that listen, we have churches, and we have a lot of individuals. Um, I'm old, so we have a lot of old people listening. Uh, and and by that, forgive me, all you listening who are my age, um, but I said me first. Uh, and so how do you, what do you want to say to those people? Make your plea. I would say that all of us want to, and Jamie, you can um, piggyback on on anything, any gap that I have um, in saying this, but um, I believe that we set ourselves up for success in every area of our lives when we have a proactive plan as opposed to a reactive one. Um, and I also believe, and Volunteer Network believes that we do things better together. Um, our one brain is not able to one, solve all of the world's problems, nor address all of them. Um, but I think that a huge reason why there are so many, um, as I have already said, it's apparently my buzzword today, so many gaps within our community is because we're all in our own individual corners, having the same conversations, as opposed to laying aside potentially ego and pivoting ever so slightly to recognize that actually maybe we might be able to solve some problems together. Um, and so our heartbeat really and truly is that we want to facilitate um, bringing as many people together as possible so that we can go in the same direction of seeking to ensure that our community members are able to thrive. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, I echo every bit of that. I think um, by us coming together, um, I mean, that's the only way that we're going to see effective change in our community. Um, I think everybody, if you asked them and sat down and had coffee with them, they want you know, they want to see our community thrive. They want to live in a community that is thriving. Um, and so I think the only way that we're going to be able to do that is together. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, meeting the needs of um, the most vulnerable in our community, meeting the needs. Um, I mean, these, there's so many, these organizations have, um, I mean, they've put their life's work into creating the organization um, that they are a part of and they are meeting such um, tangible needs. And so coming together to help them meet those needs is the only way that I think we're going to create change in this community and, and be able to yeah, thrive as a people. And I think too, to be able to be postured well as growth yeah. begins. So we're already growing fast. I'm, I live on a little over half, uh, half an acre lot. And behind me is several acres of just land that's about to become 750 townhomes. Mm -hmm. And so within the next two years, 
um, that's not just 750 individuals. <laughs> um, that's a mass amount of people. And yeah. with that growth, that's amazing is going to continue to see what we already are seeing, which is an increased, um, rise in, in need, um, and being able to have a system and structure already in place, um, for folks to be able to, to go to and be pointed towards, um, I think is only going to allow us to like, like Jamie said, like for us to be able to better thrive together. Mm, I love that. I love that. I think, um, uh, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell in his book, flat earth. He said, uh, he said that when, you know, information flattens the earth so that, uh, basically meaning that, uh, what I know about in this place is also known in this place. And it puts us on the same information is what's doing that. And, uh, and he described people in the process and he, he uses the word maven and the word maven, uh, I have no idea what it actually means, but in his definition, uh, it's the person who, when somebody says, man, I, I, I need, I need my, my, um, carpets clean. That person goes, Oh, do you know so-and-so who cleans carpets? Uh, man, I, I, I need, I need my lawnmower fix. Oh, do you know so-and-so that needs that fixes lawnmowers. Um, and in, in many senses, you guys are developing a Maven organization that's uh, when somebody says, Hey, we, we need food relief. You know, their food scarcity is such a big issue uh, across the nation uh, and across the world. Um, you guys become the, the organization that says, well, here's the people that do that in one sense. Here's the people. So you're, you're not just creating a network, but you're actually directing people to healthier and stronger connections, uh, if if I understand what you're doing, um, and I love I love that um, I am really excited about what you guys are doing. Um, and so let me just ask you a couple uh, softball questions here. Uh, do you need money? One hundred percent. One hundred percent of our money. You need it all. <laughs> um, yes, we absolutely uh, need funding. Um, we um, have the um, the great gift that our first year has been fully funded via a pri private donation. Um, however, we um, are working on funding for uh, years two and beyond. So currently I'm, um, of course, applying for grants, um, but we also um, right now currently on um, April 3rd, um, are falling under hands-on Nashville's 501c3 as they help us in um, uh, building um, out our nonprofit on our own. So people can um, give to um, hands-on Nashville with Volunteer Network as in the, the memo line right now. And at the beginning of May, our giving platform on our website will be live as well for folks to be able to, to donate, whether that be a one-time donation um, a, a quarterly or an annual. Excellent. And then, um, do you need, uh, um, uh, do you need people with specific skills? Um, I mean, the, the, the generalist skill are people who are just hands and feet and they can do a lot of things, but is there any specific skills that you would say if somebody out there really knew how to do this, they would be uh, golden in our in our in our service. Um, yeah, I'll speak. Yeah, Jamie, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Um, so as I mentioned earlier about the checklist of interest, mm -hmm. we will also um, are developing 
kind of a skill set list as well and some of those specific skills. So yes, for sure. Regina, I'll let you. Yeah. What I was just going to say was exactly, exactly that is that, um, especially for in times of disaster, being able to have some sort of system to pull a report on anybody who has um, construction background, electrical, counseling, um, you know, uh, project management, any of those types of skill sets. Um, you know, when the port, when MJ, when Mount Juliet Police Department created the portal, after the tornado, he had like a skill set assessment on mm-hmm. there. And so I will never forget going over to Mount Juliet Police Department with those amazing people. And they were trying in real time to file and sort all of the different skill sets that people were saying that they had, that 4,000. Yeah. And so in that moment, though, is not the time to be organized, like to be having to organize that. Now, like we've said, Communities don't typically have a system and structure like this until they've had a disaster happen. But a functionality of our database system would be that I could go and pull a report on anybody in the system who um, has created an account or um, is has just created, like who already has an account or who has just created an account who has that individual skill set that's needed. Yeah. And then we can reach out to them and plug them in to whatever need it is that, that requires that. Yeah, I love that. Um, in uh, in people's minds, um, we have a tendency to judge people who struggle and blame them as a way of not um, stepping in and doing something. And so uh, how many times have we driven past somebody on the side of the road who just simply was struggling? And we said, oh, I'm not helping them because, and we have our you know list. Um, we, when we were doing, uh, when I was pastoring a church, uh, um, we created what we called uh, bags of hope. And uh, we got the giant, giant Ziploc bags. And then we just had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them filled with basic water, socks, per, uh, non-perishable foods. Uh, we did um, uh, soaps, uh, toothbrushes. Just we, we researched a basic li- need list. And we put that together. And then what we did with that was we expanded that uh, to multiple organizations and churches uh, under the idea that, hey, let's give bags of hopes, uh, ha- bags of hope to people. And one of the uh, one of the um, beautiful impacts of that was that it changed the way people saw somebody standing on the side of the road. Instead of saying, I have nothing to give you, we actually had folks driving around trying to find people on the side of the road because they had five bags of hope in the back of their car, you know, and they just carried them with them. And so uh, it equipped them ahead of time to respond properly. And one of the reasons we respond improperly is we're just not prepared to respond. Uh, And so I love that you guys are thinking through uh, that, that whole idea of how do we prepare people ahead of time? so that we're ready to go. Yeah, and I'll say to to just add to that one, you know, preparing people and then also educating people. Mm. Um, you know, I um like I said was a pastor of outreach for several years and when I would go to um talk to our kids ministry, um 
uh, one of the the lessons was um, was on homelessness and mm-hmm. why somebody um, potentially might be homeless. Yeah. And uh, we've got a really amazing organization in um, in Nashville called Open Table Nashville that uh, works alongside. Um, walking people through the housing application process. Um, but they also do a lot of advocacy and education around, um, around why somebody might be in that particular scenario. And I always tell kids, you know, on any given night that you might find yourself without a place to stay, you could probably make a list of over 30 places that you could stay. And people who would allow you to be in their home um, or a family member who would buy you a bus ticket in a moment's notice and allow you to come. And whether it's because of um, things that somebody has done or things that someone else has done to that person, <laughs> their list is not only at zero, it's at like negative 30. It's a deficit, yeah. Yeah. And so rebuilding that is where that gap, that like mathematical equation, if you will, um, rests. And the tension then, as you just named, is that people then say like, well, that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. Well, actually the quality of life of your community actually is your problem. And so, you know, you wanna be able to create avenues for every single person to thrive. And I would probably say, Jamie and I, 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 I think I am able to speak for, for Jamie and, um, and both of us in saying, we don't really care the reason why the person's in that situation. Right. <laughs> we want to know, can we um, refer that individual to a space and place that might be able to meet their need? Right. Um, right. Now, certainly, I think some of the uh, most, if I were to make a list of um, commonly uh commonly told scenarios that a person's experienced, you know, somebody might say like, well, I tried to help that person and they were, you know, Mm -hmm. like refused it and didn't want it. That's the very small percentage. Um, The larger percentage of people who are in need are not because they're wanting to be in that situation. Um, It's because either a, they themselves have just really found them their individual selves on hard times or it's generational. And they haven't been able to be given the resources to come up out of that. Um, But if we can create, and we'd have this already um, in the DNA of our particular community, but if other communities can actually step outside of their own selves enough to be able to say, you know what, it's not about the why it's about the what now. Yeah. Um, I think uh, our world would be a little bit of a better place. (laughs) I think you're right. Um, the the uh, study of the anatomy of issues, um, whether they're homelessness or being people dispossessed of housing, uh, whether it is drug and alcohol addiction, um, the pathways to those have changed in the last 30 years. And so oftentimes organizations are operating on a paradigm of the past, bringing solutions from the past into the present when the issues are no longer the same and the resolution is no longer the same. And so um, when you hear people make excuses, uh, usually they're operating on a past paradigm or a personal experience that came out of fear. Uh, I'm afraid I'll get taken advantage of. I'm afraid I'll make a mistake. I'm afraid of that person who's standing there, who has a need. Um, 
there's a there's a guy who says this do for one what you wish you could do for everyone and uh, i love that phrase do for one what you wish you could do for everyone um and that is this that is actually the the fa- the foundation of footsteps of compassion um and so what i want to do is i want to respect your time i know we've been doing this for a little bit here is um i want to give each of you sort of a uh, a few minutes just to say, here's what we want you to know. Here's, here's, this is the volunteer network. We are in Wilson County. Um, we're just starting out and uh, we're excited about our future and we're building this. Uh, and so I'm going to say this on your behalf, uh, be patient with them. Uh, starting a nonprofit, having done that more than once and having lived in that sector for so long, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, you know, they say the space shuttle uses 50% of its fuel just to get off the ground. Um, and that's what you guys are doing, uh, at this point in time. I know you're working hard and uh, I want to applaud you for that work because, uh, uh, you're doing something that, that will create a ripple effect that we need in our culture. So thank you very much. Um, but I want to give each of you a chance just to, as we wrap up our time together, to say this is really important for people to know about what we're doing, uh, about about why we're doing it, about how we're getting it done. Whatever you choose to say, please uh, take a few minutes each and be passionate. Um, uh, no cursing, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing, right? I'm just I did, playing. Yeah, I have such a problem with that. <laughs> um, well, I'll start and just say like, um, for me, my passion comes from, um, I want people to know that this is a space for everybody, that Mm -hmm. this is a space, um, for everybody when it comes to what organizations can partner with us to what individuals can volunteer on, you know, using our platform. Like this is, that is Regina and I've talked so much about that. Like that is our heart behind this, that it is available to anyone and everyone. Um, we, of course, I mean, we say all the time, like, you know, and I'll just speak for myself in this, like, yes, I am a person of faith. Um, and I hold that dear to my heart, but I know that's not everybody's journey. I know that that's not, um, that's not where everybody finds themselves, but we all have something in us that says we want to help other people and that we want to see our community thrive. And so we truly do want this to be a place, a platform where, where everybody um, feels like they can find a spot to plug into. Um, And so I think for me, that's a lot of like, that's really my passion. Yep. Everyone's welcome. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I want people, I think when they, when people hear, you know, the background of Regina and I both like being, um, working in churches, um, I think sometimes, unfortunately that can throw up some red flags for people. And it's like, Oh, this is another, you know, faith-based platform. Um, and so I just really want people to know that no, like, yes, there are going to be people of faith coming alongside of us and then others that are not. So, um, it truly is a place for, for everyone. Excellent. No, I would, I mean, I, I would echo everything that, that Jamie said, a huge piece of this is just that we are trying to draw the circle wider um, and provide a space for everyone within the community, no matter who you are, um, to be able to, um, to be able to serve, um, and um, to be able to give their time and their talents and for, um, 
businesses, churches, and nonprofits to be able to place those needs um, before everyone. And, you know, I, again, we say this a ton, but we um, do things better together. And um, everybody's voice has value and everybody's skill set has value. And just like Jamie said, at the same time, um, we can't separate out and I can't separate out the fact that um, my journey has brought me to, you know, being a pastor. Um, but my journey has also brought me to being able to know that everyone um, uh, was was um, came into this world with a unique set of skill sets um, and all of those skill sets matter. Um, and we want to be able to give um, give space for all of those skill sets to be utilized. I love that. Thank you. I, I living in the faith world as well. There are some unique things and strengths uh, that the faith world brings uh, because we we have access to things that nobody sees. Um, you know, I've been doing this for forty plus years, and uh, most of the organizations I worked on Skid Row in Los Angeles for a while. Um, you know, in almost every organization that feeds and does something is faith-based down there. Uh, they see themselves, but their their strength, if they're open, if they're wise, is to realize that their work is to is to network and bring people in to meet needs. And it seems like you two understand that well. Uh, so I want to say um, you have a website. Uh, can you tell me the address? And then we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's www.volunteernetworktn.org. Got it. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, do you, if you want to have any contacts or anything, just send me a list of what you want in the show notes for that. And we'll make sure that that gets in um, so that everybody has a chance to have access to you. Uh, ladies, uh, heroes, wonderful people. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, for uh, joining us. You're welcome back anytime. Just give me a call and say, hey, we got something we want to tell people about. And um, I am sure that uh, I'm sure that we can make that happen uh, as as quickly as possible. And so thank you again. And thanks for joining us today on uh, on Say Yes and Become. I just want to say thank you. Uh, I am so grateful thank to you. both of you uh, for taking time today. And I want to say thank you that you guys have... Uh, are creating something that is access uh, for all who want to serve, but also for all who have needs. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, compassion. Uh, um, what pushes our justice buzzer is different for every people. Some people are, uh, are, are, passionate for justice for people who have no voice. Uh, some people are passionate for justice for people who have no resource. Um, and so you guys have, uh, you two uh, ladies have created a, a system and a process for that. And I just am very grateful. Uh, anytime you want to come back, please do. Uh, anytime you want to be a part of uh, just telling us about the next announcement and um, we would be more than happy to uh, invite you in. And I want to say thanks to all who are listening uh, uh, on Say Yes and Become. And we are very grateful to uh, have you be a part of that. We'll see you next time.